Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell on yet another hump day, Wednesday, the 29th of June, 2022, middle of the week. I trust you and your sales team are having a ripping week and looking forward to uh, the end of the financial year here in Australia for many organizations. But for others, it is the end of the quarter. So doing everything you possibly can to get everything in as quickly as possible, as long as it's good business. The last thing we want to be doing is actually uh, getting deals over the line which are not profitable, but also being really conscious of the impressions we're creating for our customers if we're giving too much away with the, uh, under the pressure of trying to get deals done by the end of the quarter or the end of the financial year. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about negotiation. I had the privilege of working with a team yesterday here in Melbourne running a negotiation skills program for the sales team. And I've got to say, I absolutely love working with the sales teams and particularly salespeople who have been in the industry for a number of years and uh, yesterday was no exception working with a great organization and a number of people who'd been in a selling role for 15 to 20 years and what's interesting though is and I find this all the time that uh, when you've got a, a salesperson who has a number of years of experience there can be two types of people one is a person who has a little bit of a uh, let's just say an egotistical attitude in terms of, well, I've been there, done that. There's nothing really that anybody from the outside can come and teach me and therefore makes it fairly difficult as a facilitator to do that. But I actually love the love the challenge. Uh, or the other one is you've got somebody who has been very experienced in the industry and is always looking for new approaches and new ideas to help take their leadership or their sales influence to a completely new level. And I've got to say, I uh, hit the mark yesterday with uh, with a group. Each of them were very, very experienced, but also willing to learn and willing to take on feedback and willing to explore and get out of their comfort zone in relation to fine-tuning their influencing skills and particularly their their negotiation skills. And so the t- title of this particular episode is, I'm going to call it Negotiation Need Not Be Onerous. And my experience in negotiation in, in corporate is... It can be very long and drawn out, and it can be very combative and very competitive, and it doesn't need to be like this. And it all comes down to relationships we build, but also the intentions we create before we jump into a negotiation. And I know that a number of organizations, particularly as we get closer to the end of the quarter or the end of the financial year, are placing huge amounts of pressure, not only on themselves to get deals done, but also placing pressure on customers to get deals done which place the negotiation uh, power, in many cases, in the in the hands of the customer, particularly when they're looking to uh, force sales teams to get better discounts, uh, better maybe better terms, better, better trading terms, maybe uh, financial assistance, etc. And in many cases, the balance of power does sit with a customer, particularly with, uh, with the organizations wanting to close deals as soon as possible uh, prior to the end of the financial year. And often this tension that's created can create a platform for what the relationship is going to look like into the new financial year and into the future. And yesterday was really interesting to listen to the team talking, but also observing them in action because we did a lot of uh, case study work. And it's really intriguing to see, even with experienced salespeople, how quickly they want to jump into the content of the negotiation or purely jump into the deal-making scenario. 
Uh, and so we had to pull it back a little bit. And for, the, for today's episode, I want you to, as a sales leader, just think about how are you and your team approaching the negotiation process? Uh, is your team jumping straight into the content? Is it jumping straight into the combative areas of negotiation and trying to get the deal done as quickly as possible? Or are you standing back and actually giving some due consideration to the type of people you're dealing with, the intention you're trying to create? Are you asking questions about the intention of the other party? Are you also considering what negotiation style the other party is going to use and what sort of negotiation style you're going to use to hopefully get to the best outcome that will be, in an in a ideal world, a mutually beneficial outcome. And then think about what is the process that you follow in order to do that. And so I want to just cover off at a high level three different areas today, which we covered off in detail yesterday. And certainly for the guys at the end of the day, they turned around and said that, you know what, even though we've been negotiating for many years, and even though we've been in sales for many years, the process we went through yesterday was really simple, which now gives us a high level of confidence that negotiation need not be difficult, it need not be onerous, but there's certainly some preparation work that we need to do. So my wish for you is to consider the same sort of things. Am I sitting down and doing some preparation before we jump into the negotiation? Am I spending time thinking about the different negotiating styles that exist and what sort of negotiating styles my customers are using, but also what sort of style I'm using as well? What type of personal styles do we have in terms of the personal characteristics of people, but also what is the process we go through? So at a, at a really high level, the first, the first thing to think about is what is the intention we're looking for? What is the classic outcome we want? What does success look like? So that needs to be done up front. So we have a really clear picture of what we're aiming for. And this should include thinking about, well, in the event that we don't get the outcome we're looking for, what is the next best alternative to this? So we've got to have a plan B or a plan C. Now, unfortunately, too many organizations and too many sales teams have such a one-dimensional approach that if we can't get the deal, then the deal's off, and it's like it's like all or nothing. We've got to think about what is the best alternative that in the case we can't get the deal we want, what is the next best option? So starting to think about that as the pre-planning. Also think about what is your best case scenario, but also what is your walk-away position? So what is your bottom line? So when you're going into the negotiation, you've got some things to work with, you've got a bandwidth to work with, and you've got a zone of a possible agreement that hopefully you're going to create based on, as we go through the process of negotiation, understand where the other party's position is going to be as well. So when you're jumping into the negotiation, you've got to think about, okay, what's the best approach for us in terms of our negotiating style? And one of the best, most effective negotiation styles is what we call the collaboration style, which pretty much looks at the interest for yourself but also considers the interests of the other parties. So very strong on what your interest and position is going to be, but also fighting for what the interest of the position of the other party is going to be as well, which means we, we need to seek to understand. And I like to think that any negotiation that is, uh, that is underpinning a great relationship needs to be done based on principles, strong principles, and that, those strong principles are founded on win-win and mutual beneficial value. And it has to be like that because, unfortunately, there's too many organizations that uh, are dealing with combative customers and in some cases customers dealing with combative combative suppliers that does not lend itself to long-term value-based strategic partnerships so ideally we want to bring a collaborative approach to the negotiation however we also need to be mindful of what the negotiating style of the other party might be now ideally we'd like to think that they'll be collaborative as well but in many cases they'll be something different and there's four other styles that they might bring to the table One is they might be a competitor where they pretty much think about themselves first at the expense of you. They'll probably try and get the negotiation to be on their turf. So it's not a neutral position. They'll try to actually stack the odds in their favor and they might actually make 
some assumptions or might make some accusations or might make some uh, requests of you and not give much or anything in return. So it's all one way, looking at what, what's in it for them rather than what's in it for you. Uh, you might have a compromiser which often sits on the fence and this is, uh, this is a difficult one because they're non-committal in a lot of cases and they might feel as if, you might feel as if they're doing some negotiation but in actual fact what they're doing is they're simply compromising or haggling and it's not a great outcome. You might have an accommodator. An accommodator is a person who in the, in the interest of getting a deal done pretty much says yes to everything because the relationship is the number one thing in their eyes and it's not necessarily pointing to a great collaborative relationship if, uh, if somebody's just giving in and uh, saying yes to everything. And then you've got an avoider. And an avoider is often, we often see this in procurement teams where they'll avoid the conversation altogether. They might avoid the topic. They might even avoid making any commitment. So be really conscious of the negotiating style that you're wanting to use. And I'm going to again say it needs to be a collaborative style if we want to have a long-term strategic partnership with our customers, but also be aware of what styles your customers might be using. So we talked about this in a bit of detail yesterday and then I overlaid that with some thinking around, well, you've got some negotiation styles, but then from a personal level point of view, you've also got to consider what are the different types of people who will be in negotiation in terms of what makes them tick and how they behave. Now, whether you're covering off things like DISC or Myers-Briggs, and, and yesterday we covered off a profile known as the Rich Profile, uh, essentially there's going to be four different types of people. First of all, you're going to have somebody who is going to be really big picture focused. Uh, it'll be very, very uh, intuitive in terms of their decision making. They'll be very creative. And these people are often quite easy to deal with if you're into creating great ideas, being innovative, and maybe growing the pie bigger than perhaps what you've started with in terms of a negotiation. They'll always think about the glass being half full, never half empty, and always looking for what is the possible solution to any given problem. So they're going to be eternally optimistic, and their view will be, you know what, we'll find a way to get a deal done. And in some cases, it's very easy to get that deal done. The other problem, the only problem with that is they don't necessarily have a lot of detail behind them. So if you're somebody who needs to get down and dirty in the nitty-gritty of the detail, uh, the person that is a very big picture type of person will be very difficult to nail down in terms of the specifics. So that's the first type of person. The other type of person you're going to have is somebody who is going to be very people-oriented and relationship-based. So very much a rapport-based individual who doesn't want to necessarily get into an argument. They'll be cool, calm, and collected, very steady, very grounded, but they won't want conflict. So if you've got some difficult topics to talk about, often they'll try to avoid those or they'll uh, procrastinate in terms of making a decision. And if you're dealing with these type of people coming to the end of the financial year, it's going to be very hard to try and influence them to make a decision because they're always thinking about what is the impact on other people. So you'll have the people-focused type of individual who, who's going to be quite quite difficult to nail down as well. Having said that, if uh, if you can actually get some terms of the agreement and negotiations to be focused on the people element, then you can get very quickly get them on side. Then you're going to have somebody who's quite analytical, who's very task-focused, and they're going to be focused on the detail and the intimate detail. So you have to get really, really uh, fixated on specific clauses, uh, specific details. They're going to ask you lots and lots of questions. They're going to expect you to give them lots of detail. And again, they might procrastinate if they don't have a level of detail. It might actually cause some frustration because, again, they can procrastinate, but what they're looking for is a level of detail so that they have confidence that the deal they're putting in place is covering every conceivable element that they're thinking about. Uh, a very analytical, very detail-focused type person. These are the proof-driven individuals. And then the fourth type of person you'll be dealing with is somebody who is also quite a big-picture type of person, but very focused on the bottom line. 
So they might be very pragmatic, but very clear in terms of what they're looking for. They love to have a robust conversation, so they're more than happy to, to argue or to have a, a contested conversation. Uh, I love, they love direct language, but they always focus on what is the key outcomes, what is the bottom line we're going to deliver. And they're not necessarily considering how people are feeling, not considering what the impact of the people are going to be. They're simply looking at what is the bottom line impact that this particular agreement is going to deliver. So again, it's going to be it's going to be something that uh, us as negotiators have to really look at. Not only the style of the negotiation that's going to be effective, but also the type of person that we're going to be sitting in the negotiation with, and what makes them tick. So at a really high level, there's just four different types of people that you're going to find in your negotiation. And the key concept around this is you need to understand what style you are as well in terms of how you think, how you behave, what's your personal behavior style so that you can uh, adjust accordingly based on the people that you see in front of you because that's the key thing around negotiation and certainly the key thing around communication. Not expecting the other person or the other people to adjust their communication style to suit you, but instead you changing your communication style to suit them. And if we get really good at this, it makes the negotiations a lot more enjoyable because you're actually now talking a language that other people can more easily resonate with. And then the third thing to think about is the actual negotiation process itself. Now, there's a lot of different programs out there and many of them are very, very long-winded and very long in terms of processes and steps in the process. We talked about a really simple five-step process yesterday with this team and it's as simple as this. Uh, setting the foundation or creating the introduction. Now, the introduction is critical because what this does, it sets the framework and sets the boundaries for how the negotiation is going to go. It's not necessarily getting into the nitty-gritty of the negotiation. It's simply building rapport, uh, setting the expectation in terms of what is the purpose of the negotiation, articulating what is the intention of both parties, but also setting some ground rules in terms of how the negotiation is going to go. Now, that could include things like principles we're going to talk about or principles we're going to hold each other accountable for, as well as what sort of time constraints we have. But essentially, what you're doing is you're establishing a framework that everybody now knows uh, how we're going to do this negotiation and how it's going to be conducted. So the introduction part for many organizations is the difficult part because it's, it's about resisting the temptation to jumping into the nitty-gritty of the negotiation. And the team yesterday, when they did the case study, they uh, they actually found it quite difficult to resist going into the crux of the negotiation. But when when they did it, when they then reflected on it, they uh, they found that, you know what, when they're negotiating in real life, they don't spend near enough time setting the foundation, doing the introduction, and setting up the scene for what will hopefully be a more collaborative negotiation process. So that's the first step, the introduction. The second step is to explore the interests and the positions. And the key thing about this is when you're negotiating with a party, it's really important to, before you put your positions on the table, we seek to understand what is the position and what is the interest of the other party. Because what we wanted to establish is, okay, what is their best case scenario? But also, can I articulate and can I understand what their walkaway position is? So hopefully, there's going to be a zone from which and through which we can actually get a deal done that will be, at the end of the day, mutually beneficial. Once that's done, then it's important that we then put what our interests are on the table, but also what our position is as well. So it gives us something to work on. When that happens, we know what we've got to work with, which then leads it to step number three. And we talk. I talk about this being growing the pie. It's about generating options and thinking about, okay, could we make this, this negotiation even better? 
and more beneficial for both parties. And it's all it's all based on the intention because in in the introduction, of course, we've set up that there is an intention from both parties to want to get a deal done. So if that's the case, then this is a brainstorming exercise to think, okay, if we've got these things in place, how can we make this more attractive for both parties to do this deal and both of us walk away with a much better outcome than perhaps we thought we were going to get before we started. So I talk about this as being growing the pie. So it's particularly about generating options as to what is possible. And once we've done that, we start to think about, okay, is there a shortlist? Are there some, uh, is there a vital few things that we need to really hone in on that we can then lead to the fourth step in the process? And that is we start bargaining. We start doing the deal. We start actually negotiating in terms of giving, giving concessions potentially but also hopefully getting to an outcome which is mutually beneficial. And part of this bargaining process will be thinking about what's what's the best interest of the other party, also what's the best interest of us, and hopefully getting to an outcome which appeases both parties so we can get to the fifth step, which is we're just going to close the deal. And closing the deal really is just finalizing the agreement, rubber stamping what it is that we've agreed to, what are the key steps, what is the implementation plan, and getting the signatures so that the implementation can start. So really, really simple five-step process. The introduction first and foremost, most importantly. Then the second one is exploring the interests and the positions of both parties. And always going to start with, we're going to ask the other party to share with us what is their interest, what are they looking for, and what is their current position. So we can understand, is there a zone through which we can hopefully get an agreement done? Which then leads to step three, where we're going to grow the pie, we're going to expand and explore some options to hopefully make the pie bigger. And then step four, we're going to start to bargain or start to make concessions. And therefore, this is where the crux of the negotiation happens. And if we do the previous three steps really well, this bargaining process should well be a quite an enjoyable process. Yes, there still might be some friction. Yes, there might be some things that people throw in as a, as a, as a bit of a furphy. Or they might actually think about stuff as they're going through the negotiation, which they didn't explore or didn't... Uh, I guess, share in the interest and position stage. But you know what? If we've got a good relationship and we come back and say, well, the intention is we're going to get a deal, then it's going to be a lot easier to deal with that when it comes up. And then uh, the final part is just close the deal. So if we can do that, then there's no reason why negotiation shouldn't be something that we look forward to rather than thinking about, well, this is a really onerous task and I'm not looking forward to this. So as we wrap up this episode, uh, loved, loved, loved working with this team yesterday. A great group of people, great sales team and a great organization, and uh, they they got a lot out of, it, out of it because they thought they were great negotiators until they actually went through and used the, uh, used the case study that I provided them and realized that, uh, you know what, we weren't as good as perhaps we thought we were. So it was a fantastic day, really loved working with them, and I trust that uh, this information today is going to be of value to you and to your sales team when it comes to negotiating either deals externally, but also deals internally, which I must say is quite often the most challenging component of uh, certainly a sales, sales team is the internal negotiation. So I trust that is of value. And a key reminder, if you'd like some help with this, if you'd like some help with negotiation skills for your team, or any assistance around your sales team, helping them become more effective, more productive, uh, love to have a conversation, as well as having a conversation with you about helping you become an exceptional sales leader. Love the opportunity of having that conversation, working with you potentially one-on-one, but also maybe working with your team as well. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll sit down and have a conversation over the fabulous Zoom. 
look at uh, what's happening in your environment right now, what you're looking to achieve, and uh, let's map out a plan and get working as soon as this week. So looking forward to that conversation because now is the time to start thinking about and planning for and investing in uh, your own development, but also your team's development as we are about to approach the new start of the new financial year for many companies, but also a brand new quarter. So I look forward to that. And as always, very much look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.